Hello and welcome to Genetically Speaking. In our first season, we delved into the careers of our members within the American Society of Human Genetics. We had great conversations with genetic counselors, researchers, educators, clinicians, and more. We were able to explore their unique journeys and the impact they've made in the world of human genetics and genomics. If this is the first time you're tuning in, welcome and we're glad to have you here. For our repeat listeners, welcome back. I hope you hear something new that stays with you. Thanks for joining us in revisiting Season 1 of Genetically Speaking. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ASHG podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Gunter, and today I am very excited to be joined by Dr. Augusto Rojas Martinez. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I know thank you're you. here for the membership engagement. Yep. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about how long you've been a member of ASHG and what it means to you? And Well, I uh, my first uh, application was in uh, 1992, and, uh, but I moved to Mexico, so I lost the membership. And I returned to the uh, association like in uh, 20, like in 2014. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. For the, there was a meeting, I, if I know where it was, in San, in San Diego. I can't remember. Was it I remember. in San Diego? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a close relationship with San Diego, right? Yeah. yeah, that's great. And so it sounds like you attend the annual meetings. And what else does that mean to you, having membership in ASHG? Oh, well. Uh, for me, this is the largest meeting on, on the field of human genetics in the world. So for me, it's very important because you can look at the state of the art. And uh, you can also witness how this uh, field is expanding to another different areas. Uh, but that the people who, well, like me, who are very old in this field, it has been a fantastic travel from the gene to uh, now... Uh, the understanding of the polygenic diseases. Well, this is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. And if you, if uh, having been on the program committee, I can tell you, it's really hard to program yeah, all of that it, stuff. And, are, yeah, as it is so huge. Yeah, and there's always three things you want to go to at the same time. That's how good. So tell me about how you got into genetics. What was your trip? Well, no, you wanted to. Well. I was born in Colombia, and I went to the school of medicine in Colombia. And what I want, what I had in mind at that time was uh, that I wanted to have to have my career in research. I wanted to do research when I was there, and um, I was very lucky. I will say that I have a teacher in genetics in the first year of my career, and she was very inspiring to me. She was a very old geneticist in in my country. But uh, the way that she teach the genetics and you know, the laboratory that uh, she prepared for us, they, they were fantastic. So this is why I engaged in this field since that moment. Since that moment, I decided that I will do my career in genetics. And then uh, while we have social services in Colombia, and uh, I plan to do my social service in a genetic department in the National University. Mm-hmm. And then I went to that. Well, I did my master's degree, a PhD in in genetics, yeah, in Mexico. So I moved to Mexico and and I completed my program there. 
That's great. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then you went on to do your other training there, your post. Yes. And after that, I went for a, a training in gene therapy in Houston. In right. Houston. That's what I thought you came to. Yeah. Houston at some point. Yeah. 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 This is my, I engaged the association when I was in Houston. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and who did you train with there? I were there with uh, Dr. Estuardo Aguilar and Sabi Wu at that time. Oh, yeah. They, he was the chair of the Department of of the recent created the uh, department or unit of gene therapy. Oh, wow. So it was fantastic. Yeah. Because we were uh, pioneering the field. So yes, we were pioneering the field in the world, particularly in uh, the clinical trials for gene therapy. Absolutely. For cancer at that time, but well, it was very interesting, yeah. Yeah, and have you kept up with it? What do you think about how the field is advanced today in G- Wouldn't it was that the, the elements are incredible. Yeah. Because uh, we start to do these uh, clinical trials for, for cancer, particularly for cancer. And then, well, if you, uh, all people is aware that there were some trolls in the field of, uh, of, of uh, gene therapy. Yeah. But uh, the further developments have bring us to the uh, to this wonderful therapies, not just for cancer, but for many sure. disorders. And now with the with this uh, age of the CRISPR and all these uh, technologies, well, now it, it, this will become a reality, I guess, in very few years for many diseases. And yeah. Yes. So as we're recording, just a few days ago, it was announced that uh, some in vivo gene editing gene yeah. therapy had been done for retinitis pigmentosa. Yeah, usually, yeah. yeah, and we don't know results yet, but we're yes, yes. out. Now it's applied for not just for cancer and, ge- and and genetic diseases, but for infectious diseases. Well, it's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So I also wanted to ask you, I know that you have worked in a, another um, exciting area that we haven't really talked a lot about on these podcasts, which is looking at gene-environment interaction. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw your study looking at cleft lip and palate. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, uh, actually, my my main uh, line of work right now is on the fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Oh, okay. And um, we are very interested in in this area because, uh, well, we are collaborating with people here in the U.S., particularly in the University of California in San Diego. Uh, Basically because we have this huge problem of of, uh, this disorder in our community, but we don't have any idea of the magnitude of the problem. We don't have any epidemiology or any data about uh, the fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, not even for the for the fetal alcohol syndrome. But uh, this brings us a very nice opportunity to look at uh, the interactions between a teratogen and genes yep. that are uh, involved in this uh, spectrum. This is a big spectrum, right? Right. So we are very interested in that, and we had. I, very, I think a very nice uh, social laboratory because let me tell you that uh, I am work with, working in a maternal hospital. Mm-hmm. It's a public maternal hospital who attends about 16,000 uh, births a year. Wow. But uh, about 30, uh, one, yes, uh, a third of these uh, births are from one before 19 years old wow. because we have social problems. We have a lot of disparities and stuff like that. 
And most of these girls are involved in uh, drinking and uh, alcohol, and they are also consuming illegal drugs or things like that. So we are very interested in that. And uh, we were trying to to do something, and we are collaborating with people in California and in the University of Texas, which are natural collaboration for us because we are in the border, so sure. it's very easy to... Because you're in Monterey, we should have said. Which yeah, is near the Monterey is close to, right. to San Antonio, and but uh, California is also... Right. It's, it's easy for us yeah, to go to California. Well, well... Uh, the idea, well, I'm very interested in that and this interaction between the environment and genes. And um, there are some papers for this topic of uh, alcohol showing that uh, some variants uh, may be influenced by the by the by this teratogen, like alcohol or other drugs, and they will um, have an impact on the on the. Not just the morphogenesis, but also the um, the neuro neurodevelopment. So yeah, this is very interesting. And talking about the cleft and palate, well, Monterrey is one of the most um, polluted areas in the in Latin America. Oh, well. because of the mainly because of the industrial activity, is one of is one of the largest industrial centers in Mexico. Uh, so what we did was to to Clustering mm-hmm. uh, the patients that w- uh, with deaf lip and palate that that were w- that were attended at the institution for for that problem in the city, and uh, we clustered in the in the in the map in the in the Monterrey metropolitan area, and uh, we also uh, got the data from the from the pollution databases mm-hmm. that we have in in the city. And there was this association of uh, uh, CLP cases clustered with the most industrial activity areas in the city. Wow. So this is just... air pollution. Yes, yeah. air pollution, yeah. But yes, air pollution. Right. Uh, particularly PM10 and PM2.5 particles. Wow. Yeah. So, well, this is something that we are just uh, starting to look at, right? Uh, but... Well, this is one. This is one of the issues that the main issues that we have in all the on these uh, urban areas in Latin America, that um, we need to look at the environment because we are having pollution that exceeds the limits and things like that. So, yeah, this is the issue. <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting question because yeah. I've worked on autism spectrum disorder. Yeah, yeah, and similar in a way in that we say sixty percent ish of um, the risk that we can tell is genetics and about 40% is environment. But when yeah. we say that as genetics, we mean anything not DNA, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But it is interesting. You're looking at specific environmental yeah. factors. Yeah, yeah. And looking Actually, at- our goal with this uh, study on fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is not just to look at the genetic variants. We are also interested in the epigenetic phenomenon. Right. Yeah, we are still trying to figure out what we can do, but for the moment we are starting a project to collect many samples to, and from different sources to look at we at the, the possibilities to 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 look at these changes in the in the children. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, that's that's our that's where we have to go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the, data, yeah. all the data together. So, kind of switching gears a little, given where you are now. 
I know a lot of trainees will be listening to these podcasts, we hope. So do you have any advice for trainees in terms of getting into your career, in terms of looking for a mentor? Yeah, yeah. Well, when I entered the laboratory of uh, gene therapy, for me, it was really like uh, traveling in, in the space. Yeah. It was like in a <laughs> ship. But that time it was wonderful because we were the first in the well, not we were not the first, but we're one. We were a uh, few people, and uh, starting to to work with uh, vital vectors. Oh, wow. so it was like an adventure. Yeah, everything was new, and uh, I was always feeling that the and uh, my mentor was also very, very important for that, for that part of my career because. He always showed me that this was something that in which I was the first witness. Yeah, to viral vectors. <laughs> That's amazing. So, what a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what this is something that I always uh, speak talk to my to my students that when you engage in this kind of research and um, and what you are going to do is to discover new things. Mm-hmm. And be the first witness. And, if, and to be the first witness, something that like will be published in your in your newspaper, but will stay there forever. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, um, do you have any advice specifically for trainees in in Mexico? Then where you are now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, we have a big gap in the in terms of uh, developing. Uh, tools and infrastructure for genetics in Mexico, um, as I guess is the situation in many countries. Sure. So we have a big challenge because uh, we are coming to this era in which genomics is really landing to help to serve the, the, the communities. Right. So we have the challenge. Uh, we have the challenge. We have to adopt the knowledge and the skills, uh, the local skills to solve our own problems. And and we have the people to stay there. This is also important. <laughs> yeah. To return to well, I I have no doubt that uh, taking these opportunities to have some training in the U.S. are wonderful, but we also need this task force in our region. To so and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very important. Absolutely. Yeah. And that includes MDs and PhDs. Mathematician. Well, now there is psychology, computational, because this is getting so complex. Yeah, absolutely. So you need everybody. Yeah. 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 So that's great. And this is the other beautiful thing about this field that is getting a lot of is getting very multidisciplinary. Absolutely, absolutely. So people can, and and that's one thing that I've heard a lot of people with bias training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of to take up another skill as well. Yeah, and this is something very funny because, for example, in my city, we are trying to do some work with people in the fields of mathematics and psychology and things like that. So people like that. Yeah. Mathematicians like to like to hear what uh, what is uh, going on in the yeah. case of genetics and things like that. And like you talked about with yeah. fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, yeah, really yeah. have to work with psychologists. No yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it has been such a pleasure talking. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm Dr. Chris Gunter, and uh, thank you very much to Dr. Augusto Rojas Martinez for joining me today on the ASHG podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Genetically Speaking. Join us again next week for another episode. Mm-hmm.